Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. Folks, my name's Jared Hogue, and I'm going to be hanging out with you today. And I'm joined with the one, the only Roman big baller, shot caller Johnson. That's right. I threw the big baller in there again. It's a, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Won't you be our neighbor? Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, wherever you're at, uh, maybe you're driving or you're mowing your lawn. Thanks so much for joining us on the Leadership Podcast. That's that was really something right there, Mr. Rogers. I just try to bring the sentiment. I, I brought the sentiment level up from like a two, like it normally is. I, I brought it up to like a three point seven. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Roman, we've got an extra special guest with us in the studio today. Why don't, why don't you introduce this fella? Ah, uh, yes, I'd love to. This is uh, this is the man, the legend. I'm sure you've already heard of him. Uh, his name is Landon Wyland in the house. He's in. He's actually with you in Boston, Massachusetts, making it happen in the studio. What's up, Landon? Hey, what is up? <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> That's all he's got. But he's here today, hanging out with us. Uh, you know, he's in town, and we just thought, you know, he needs to be on the Leadership Podcast here. He, he, de- uh, he definitely should. Uh, fun fact about Landon: he's actually my cousin-in-law. I'm married. I'm married to his cousin. You're ma- okay. So is that actually a thing? Is cousin-in-law a thing? I, I, I don't think it actually is. What? Anything is in-law when you're married to the person. <laughs> cousin-in-law, uncle-in-law. Is that, I, that's a thing, right? You know, folks, why don't you weigh in on this? Because I don't know that that's a thing. Is a cousin-in-law a thing? Uh, I, hit us up. It's you can email be. me. You can you can find us on social media. Let us know. Is cousin-in-law a thing? I mean, we could probably just Google it and no, we would man, find that's, out. No, man, that's too easy. Yeah, we want you to weigh in on this, folks. Uh, folks, we got a great episode for you today. This is like, I don't know, episode 67 or 68, somewhere in there. Episode 67. I was right the first time. We've got a great episode. Frank Beeler is back on the show, Roman. Frank Beeler is back. He, he, was, he was here before. <laughs> that, that, hence, he's back. <laughs> um, he is awesome. Um, I, I actually had the, uh, the privilege of sitting in a couple sessions of Frank Beeler's at the the, the Orange Conference uh, in uh, uh, Atlanta, Georgia. It was just mm. a couple months ago at the time of this recording, and he knocked it out of the park. Um, he talked. I was in one where he talked about um, alignment between next gen. He was talking about like, man, you should you should be communicating kids ministry, student ministry. You guys should be communicating. If if there's not one person at the head of the whole thing, you guys need to be seriously talking to each other because you're missing it if you're passing people from. Kids on the Move, or sorry, that's what I operate in, which is Kids on the Move is where I work. If, from kids ministry to uh, to youth ministry, if you're not communicating, you're probably losing students, which you should not be doing. So that was a really great Man. session. Uh, I really like Frank Beeler a lot. That's some really good stuff. And, you know, the, one of the reasons I wanted Landon to be in this session is because he's been a fanboy of Elevation Church for quite some time. Um, and Frank was the family pastor there. He oversaw all of NextGen, among other things. And the guy is just an absolute beast at getting things done. Um, it's quite ridiculous. Well, Landon, you have, have followed this guy for quite some time. What, what are your thoughts about this amazing individual? Frank is an incredible leader. Uh, it's amazing. I, I can't even comprehend how he managed everything he did while he was even at Elevation. 
Uh, and even beyond that now, moving on to what he's working on now, he's working on so many things at once. He is so busy, but I, I, everything he touches is gold. Uh, all the information that he's collected, everything uh, from his book, everything, it's all, it's all so good. So, yeah, folks, and it's incredible today. What we what we got to talk about is, so Frank has transitioned out of being the family pastor at Elevation Church, and we talk about that just a little bit, to where he is now uh, the director of leadership development at Orange, um, as well as another project that he has going on. Plus, Frank has a wife. He's got kids. He just adopted another kid. Like, the guy is just insanely busy. And so he wrote a book about it. It's called The Myth of Balance, um, where he's talking about how balance is a myth. <laughs> uh, I see it's, what he it's did act- there. Right? Um, and it's fascinating. He's got a very simple uh, concept and principle that he's put into play called If This, Then That. And I'm not going to give it away any further than that. Uh, I, I will let uh, Frank talk about that. But Roman, before we get to the episode, um, how are we able to bring this podcast about? Jared, we're, this, that's a very good question. Thank you for much, uh, so much for asking it. We're able to bring this podcast about uh, because you and I are human beings that decided to start a podcast. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is that uh, it's, it's brought to you by creativesheep.org. Now, if, if, if you were just coming into this podcast and you're like, what? On, I thought this was called Leadership. It's actually, we have a company called Creative Sheep that sponsors this podcast. Uh, and if you go to creativesheep.org, what you're going to find is uh, you're going to find videos, graphics, premium media for the church is what you're going to find there. So if you maybe work at a church or you're on maybe a creative team at a church, Definitely head over to creativesheep.org. Check it out. Check out our library. And if you need some custom work done, hit us up. We'd love to work with you. Folks, without further ado, let's get to our conversation here on episode 67 of the Leadership Podcast with the one, the only, Frank Beeler. Well, Frank, thanks so much for coming back on the show for your sophomore uh, interview here on the Leadership Podcast. An honor to have you back. Man, I'm excited to be here. I've been listening for a while. You know, I've listened through the transition of names to now the Leadership Podcast. Makes me feel like really important that I get to be a part of this. Well, I man, I appreciate you coming back. And I feel like before we really, you've got a new book out that's just phenomenal. Um, but before we start talking about that, I feel like we've got to address the, the, you went through a fairly big transition here not too long ago. Um, transitioning off staff from Elevation Church to now, uh, as you were saying in our pre pre interview phone call here, that like you have two big jobs that you're you're tackling now. So, tell us a little bit about the transition and and what you're doing now. Yeah, well, I mean, just to be clear, because I can imagine all your listeners would think this: making this decision to transition was the hardest decision of our life, right? I mean, such a huge, huge deal to make this transition and try to navigate it well. And we've done the best we can with it. And I think it's gone well, but we prayed a lot about it. It was a kind of a six month in the making conversations and trying to, trying to figure it out. And so now we're at Orange and we're so excited about what could be and should be. I get to operate as the executive director of leadership, which means I get to oversee uh, any resources that are created. We have this brand inside of Orange called ULEAD. And it's a brand that's not determined by you have to use Orange curriculum or anything like that. But it's basically the resources that are created by our organization to help ministry leaders do ministry better, to strive to do better. So this is our blogs, our podcasts, our books and resources, anything that helps staff do a better job to equip them just to be better leaders, which 
Jared, you and I have talked about this multiple times. That's right up my alley. I mm-hmm. love helping ministry leaders thrive and, and do a better job. So I get to do that. And then we'll touch briefly on my other role, which is up and coming. We're creating this new concept called Phase Family Centers, which basically is a way for us to address two big issues in the church. The first one, the first tension that we're facing is that giving at most churches is going down. Uh, they're feeling that tension, not just traditional or older churches, but all churches outside of some mega churches are feeling that giving going down. And so facilities and resources are becoming more scarce. In addition to the fact that we're seeing that millennial families are hard to reach, they're very active with their kids, and they're, they're choosing to do other things on the weekend, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but we want to engage them with the gospel, engage them in church. So we're trying to come up with solutions to solve that problem. We've come up with this idea of Phase Family Center, which is simply a really large preschool uh, that operates 450, 500 kids that will pay for a really nice building. Now, attached to that building is something that we think is really strategic. We're going to put a 700-seat auditorium that would be good for like weddings and things like that. And maybe, just maybe, a church could meet there on the weekend. <laughs> and instead of renting a high school... They could rent this amazing family-friendly facility at a low cost, not have to come up with the capital expense and all the stuff needed. And so they can put their money back into the community, reaching millennials. And because we're a preschool, we're literally inviting millennials to come onto our property on a regular basis. Because the curriculum is not faith-based, we can really open up our influence in that community and impact a lot of families and make natural connections with the church. So that's the two projects I get to oversee now, and we're having a great time doing it. Wow. Well, we're going to have to have you back for a, a third interview before too long to talk more just about that. But the main topic of today's conversation is you just released a new book um, called The Myth of Balance. And this is something uh, you actually talked briefly about in our, our last conversation. Um, and it it was so fascinating, and and I'm sure this is something you've been working on for quite some time. Uh, and you just released the book at the Orange Conference here. And, you know, just first cracking the book open, one of the things I love so much about it is the layout of the book. The chapters are very simple, uh, very easy to read. I feel like it's it's very much written for, for me personally with me in mind because of my short attention span. Um, just very brief, very d- direct and to the point. Um, but then each chapter ends with some very specific questions you need to ask or actions that you need to take. And I just feel like it's an extremely action-oriented book. Was this kind of one of your objectives right out the gate was, like, if you're going to read this and do nothing with it, there's really no point? That's exactly right. In fact, we um, the book was going to be longer. Like, there's a whole section in there where it's like these six filters that help you make better formulas to solve certain issues and challenges in your life. And those could have been chapters. We could have drug this thing out all that we wanted to. We had plenty of content, but we kept paring it down going, no, 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 no. We want leaders to not only buy this, not only feel good because they're taking some action in this unique tension of family and ministry and life and work and just that difficult challenge that we all face, but we wanted them not just buy it and sit it on the coffee table, but read it and apply it. And we felt like, don't tell them, you know, break out a pen and paper, come alongside the book. No, 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 right in the book. This is your book. Mm. This is for you. Let's get really practical and tactical. So Every time we'd write it and get a little longer, we'd pare it back down. And we just kept doing that to get to what's a really simple read. Lots of people can read it in just an hour or two. It's designed for that. But the idea is that you keep stopping because the chapters are really short. 
to apply and wrestle with who are the people in your life that are going to help you navigate this, what would happen if you made a mind shift like this to kind of thrive in ministry, because we see so many people struggle. In fact, Jared, I found out recently, right now, over 50% of those that get in ministry give up within five years. And I don't think it's because they lost their calling. I don't think it's because they left Jesus. I think it's because ministry is so messy, so difficult, so challenging. And there's lots of ideas like be faithful, take one for the team, keep pushing, you know, your rewards in heaven. All that's sure that's true. Ministry is so complicated. But I think there's a practical way to approach this to get better. Mm. That's so good. So good. I was actually just interviewing someone right before this call. And they were talking about a friend of theirs who, like, they got right up, they were planting a church, got right up to the launch, and just knew, like, either my family, I'm going to lose my family or I'm going to lose the church. And they chose to stick with their family and made the right decision. But I think it ties right into what you're saying right here. So really, the, the, the premise of the book is that balance is a myth. Why is that? Yeah, because I haven't found anybody that actually has found it, that's actually navigated balance well. I mean, people talk about it, and it's this thing we pursue, and you need to have more balance in your life. But I just can't find these people that have actually figured it out. We found people that have found a way to navigate, to work around it. I make this joke in the book about how really, when it comes to navigating uh, balance, it's found somewhere between unemployment and extreme success. And the only person I've ever met that said they were balanced was somebody that was unemployed. And I'm like, well, they're, well, I don't, I don't know that you can call that balance, right? <laughs> right. So when I started looking, because that was what I wanted, I needed to find balance in my own life. So I started looking and surveying and asking and discovered real quickly that great leaders don't have it. Mm. And so then it's like, well, I can keep pursuing it and be the first one to find it, or I can find a better plan. So with that, one of the things I love that you say in this first chapter, I mean, because obviously two of the biggest things in our lives are our career, which if you're in ministry is ministry, or and, and then also your family. And one of the things I love that you said in this chapter is God never intended us to sacrifice the family he blessed us with on the altar of the ministry he called us to. That is a super powerful statement. Yeah, you know, I've I've heard it said different ways. I'm sure somebody said it that way, and I totally ripped it off, but I couldn't remember who it was, so, I, so I'll take credit for it, I guess. But here, here's what I know. I know that Jesus offers us a very full life. But when I look at the way families in ministry manage their schedule and time, I really wonder if that's what he meant by full. And I think we fill it up with chaos and um, lots of I'm sorry's. And I feel like we say I'm sorry too much in the world of ministry, which is kind of an odd thing. Don't you aren't you supposed to, you know, accept your mistakes and say I'm sorry? And my my idea is that maybe we're saying I'm sorry too much because we're not setting ourselves up for success to where maybe we could say I'm sorry a little less because we didn't need to say I'm sorry because we didn't fail our family or our friends or, or our peers again. Mm. Man, that's so good. I I love one of the things you're even saying, this is a little bit off script, but you were saying this in our kind of our pre-interview call here, um, that in your life, you weigh things against the calling that you believe God has placed on your life. And in order to say, I'm sorry, Les, 
because I think it's so easy as a leader, really as anybody, to say yes too often, but to say yes to the wrong things. Um, and, 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 and so how have you gone about making sure that you're weighing the decisions you're about to make against the calling that God has placed on your life? Well, part of it is to draw some parameters around the calling from a standpoint of, for example, if you feel called to, like I do, to develop ministry leaders, well, you know how much time that you're willing to give to that. And it can't be infinite. Because if it's infinite, then that means that you'll take every speaking request, every opportunity, but you also feel called to have, in my case, you know, a family of four kids and a wife that love me and want to be with me in this for the long haul. And I think the mistake is when we feel called to something, as soon as an opportunity presents itself, we don't want to waste those opportunities. So what we do is we chase after them, but we don't filter our decisions through the other callings in our life. And so as simple as saying, okay, if traveling is going to be a part of my schedule, let's go ahead and put together a plan this year for about how much I want to travel or how many engagements I want to speak at or whatever it may be. You know, that's just an example. Some things we can't put parameters on. You can't put parameters on how many hospital visits. I think that's really complicated. You just may have a tough year with families. But you can't have a plan. So if I miss a night with my family because I've gone to the hospital to care for somebody in need, well, what's the plan? How how does my family know that it's not just I lose my mom or dad again, but there's a plan in place? So because we did this, now we're going to do this and, and putting a strategy behind it. So I think it's not eliminating what God will do through us. Um, I also think that the other tension that comes up is that ministry leaders so often run at this thing like they've only got a year to do it all. <laughs> and so they've got to change everything as soon as they get in a new position, rebrand, meet with all their volunteers, revision cast, like change everything so crazy, so fast, so aggressive. And yet we're supposed to be in this for the long haul. And so if we're going to live this marathon, this long, long time in ministry, we've got to not slow down to the point where we're not being effective. But sometimes I think when we come out the gate, not only do we run ourselves in the ground and not healthy, we outrun the people that we're casting vision to. Mm. And so here we are. We're so excited. We've been dreaming about living in this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we start moving so fast that not only does it hurt us, but our people are going, wait, what's happening again? I'm totally confused. Why are we changing this? Because we do it in a you know 30-minute blurb in a meeting somewhere. And we say, this is what we're doing. And we're so excited about it. I think we just tend to move too fast and get too anxious, especially early on in our call to ministry. Mm. Man, that's good. And, and, you know, one of the chapters you talk about not ignoring the warning signs and that you've got these people that God has placed in your life, uh, your family, your spouse, uh, the people that work with you and for you. Um, <clears throat> what, are, what are some of the warning signs that will pop up to help us avoid some of those things that you were just talking about? Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones is the language that we use. I'm not saying we start cussing all the time. We use the <laughs> profanity. Uh, but I do think there's something to be said when what seemed like an opportunity where we used to say, we get to go do this for this family. We get to go care for these people. We get to go do this outreach event. Now it's a we have to. We've. It's almost like it's a burden or it's an inconvenience. And yet... It's funny, the things that we start to say we have to are the very things that we signed up for in ministry. 
I just see that over and over again. Oh, I have to go to the hospital today. No, you, you wanted to go care for that family. Like that's why you got ministry was to help people when they need it most. And they're never going to need it most when it's convenient for us. And so how does it get to this place where we get so tired, we run at such an unhealthy pace that we're saying we have to go care for somebody when they need us and Jesus the most. And so you see it in that language shift. It's really unhealthy. And you can be very aware of it. I'm very sensitive to it now. I've taught myself to listen for it because I started to see it creep in. I'm like, this can't be how it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one language. I think another one, I mentioned this one in the book, is this whole idea of us and they. So early on in ministry, when our church makes a decision, we say, oh, we're doing this because we want to. But at some point, if we're not involved in the decision or we've gotten a little tired, we start to shift our language and we say, well, they just thought it was a good idea. Same church. We're still part of it. We're still part of that team. But somehow along the way, we start saying they, and I think it's just unhealthy. And that language shift really throws flags and warning signs. The other warning sign that seems obvious, um, but I think we miss, is just the lack of health in our family our marriage, our relationship with friends, it's starting to deteriorate. We see it, but we lie to ourselves and we say it's a busy season. But it's not a busy season if it's infinite, if it never ends. You know, seasons have a clear end. And a lot of times we talk, we talk like seasons because it makes us certainly as ministry leaders and Christians feel better to think we're in a season. But if we're not really in a season and there's no end in sight, what does that communicate to our peers, our family, our friends, when we say, oh, it's a busy season when your life is all busy? It just communicates the wrong message because it means you're not doing anything right now to fix it, but it'll get better by itself, which you and I know won't happen. Right, right. So you give a really simple formula in the book um, of like helping fix some of this, the, and you call it the win this than that. Break this little formula down for us. Yeah. So ministry is exceptions. That's a big premise of the book, that it's all the extra things that kind of throw us out of whack. And yet that's what we signed up for. And so the idea is to say, let's plan in advance for the exceptions that we know are going to occur. Not crazy stuff. I mean, I live down in Atlanta now and the interstate caught on fire and fell apart, you know, a month ago. We never could have planned for, well, when the interstate catches on fire and melts and half the interstate falls apart, then this is our strategy. Well, that would be ridiculous. How are we ever going to plan for that? But there are things that happen on a weekly or monthly basis in our ministry. We know they're going to happen. They're just not on our calendar right now. And yet every time they come up and happen, we're surprised by them. We're like, whoa, I wasn't planning on this. So I've got my, I was already going to be gone three nights this week. And then somebody was involved in a car accident or somebody's marriage is unhealthy and they really need me to speak into it. And so, yes, those things are going to happen. So it's when they're going to happen, not if they're going to happen. So when this happens, when somebody needs us to, to leave our family one night to go do something else or to cut a, a get together short or cancel on friends, when this happens, because something happens in ministry, then this is my plan. So I mentioned in the book, and there's plenty of examples. In fact, in the back of the book, we try to keep it practical. We reached out to many ministry leaders uh, that are just leading great organizations and churches mm -hmm. and said, just tell us how you navigate these exceptions. It was really cool to see other people's perspective and take. They were doing it. They just didn't have language around it. Yeah. So one of those for us is 
Um, my wife and I, for the longest time, did final interviews at Elevation Church. So after you made it through all the hoops and, and figuring out if, if, as best we can tell, you're talented, skilled, and called to be a part of this ministry, then we need one more final interview just to make sure you aren't crazy, you know, and give a chance for you to ask questions. So those interviews, they weren't scheduled. They happened really fast because somebody would come in for the weekend and go through a bunch of different interviews. And it was like, well, Monday night before they leave, can we go out to dinner with them? And so they would kind of surprise us. And so we set up a recipe and said this, this is our formula. We said, when we have an interview like this come up where my wife and I would be involved, then the kids get to go to the same restaurant. They get to order an appetizer and a dessert. And you know, with kids, that's a big, big deal. Like when you go to a restaurant, it's like get in, get out as fast as possible. Right. And now here's this opportunity to go, well, wait, wait, you got an interview. Instead of saying, I'm sorry, I just call and say, I've got an interview. And the kids get excited. Why? Because now instead of me saying we're gone, we've already got a plan. And I think that there are so many things in ministry. When you're part of a young church or a church plant, there's a guarantee that the senior pastor is going to want to, once a month or so, pull an all-nighter dreaming about what could be and should be. Mm-hmm. You know what's going to happen. It's right. just a reality. But we act like it's a surprise, and we call home, and we say I'm sorry, or we cancel on friends, where we should say, well, when we have this get-together, we know it's going to happen. When this happens, here's my plan. And one of my friends out in California realized that this pattern was happening. We had been talking about this for a while. This idea, by the way, has been brewing for about two and a half years. So it's been tested mm-hmm. a lot with different leaders trying to figure it out and get it dialed just right. And what he did was he filled his drawer at his office with the, his kids' favorite toys, Hot Wheels and Pokemon or whatever it is. I don't know. Uh, so in the drawer, he'd have all these toys. And then what he would do is on those nights he worked late, he would grab a couple of those toys out. And when he got home, he would say, I know we had to work late. It's really exciting, some of the things we're working on. But I just want to let you know from our pastor and our church that we thought of you and that we love you. And it helps soften some of it. It's just a simple little thing. But it just helps them realize I'm part of this too. This is a big deal. Makes them feel special. Instead of saying, well, I'm sorry, come flying in late. You're trying to give a kiss or hug before bedtime. Maybe that didn't happen. There's nothing to look forward to. And now it's just another night where your friends and family are gone. Man, that's so good. And so, you know, in putting this book together and down through the years of you practicing this kind of thing, I have to imagine that there was maybe a misstep or a mistake along the way that kind of helped you come to some of these conclusions. Um, maybe walk us through something that happened with you where, because I think oftentimes a lot of people think that, uh, you, you know, you hear somebody like Frank Beeler talk and it's just all success and it's all like the family's great. The wife is great. Uh, you worked at an amazing church. You're now working for this amazing organization, planting in another amazing organization. And so it's just like, you just hear all of this, but sometimes I think we we miss some of the the mistakes or mishaps that happen. What what's one that happened for you that really like concreted some of these principles in in your life? Yeah, I mean, I have plenty. I think that's the reason we decided to write the book was because like even as we started to develop the idea, it was so hard to to change our mindset and get into a new rhythm. It took some real discipline and so along the way we made mistakes. In fact, just, I don't know, nine months ago or so, um, we missed it. And we've been living in this plan for two years. We were going into revival at our church, which hopefully many of your listeners tuned in, have all these world-class communicators and worship leaders come in, had this amazing time of revival. 
And I knew that I was going to be out of pocket for my family for like 10 nights. I mean, this was full on. I was hosting all of our guests running so hard and I didn't have any plan for it. I didn't manage it. It was like, we're just going to tough through this, be tough. And my wife's just going to have to manage the kids and, and school and everything's just going to have to be fine. I left no margin, no plan whatsoever. And on the back end, so I was in the middle of being sick and it was just a messy, messy time. And on the back end, I felt so far behind at work that I just poured myself back into work. Mm. Well, there was, there was no plan. And so here it is going, well, when we have revival, this was something we get planned for, right? It was on the calendar. It'd been on the calendar for a year. Then what? And then what was dad's gone for 10 nights. And then when that's over, we get back to our normal routine. Well, that's not very exciting. <laughs> you can't tell kids, Hey, it's going to be not normal for a while. It's not going to be fun. And then it's going to be normal again. <laughs> There's no plan in that. Yeah. And so here I was in the midst of being sick, managing all this, pour myself back into work and, and realize that I completely missed it. And my wife said, where's the win this than that for this? And I, I had to stop for a second and process that question because there was lots of different words in there. It didn't make sense. And so I paused for a second and realized, wow, we saw this one coming and didn't manage it well. Wow. And so it's so tricky because so many times we can plan for some things. There's always going to be things that come in ministry that you never expected, never planned for, one to help someone out, care for another team member or staff member. It's always something financially with our time. Uh, but I think that we can do a better job. And I think it's us being committed to it. We have something on Sunday nights that we call Sunday night review, where we look ahead to the upcoming week and as a family and talk through, is there anything we missed or haven't thought through? And I will tell you on the weeks where that Sunday night gathering doesn't happen to me and my wife, that week is always tougher mm. every time. Because it's, even though our calendar says one thing, there's things that we don't factor in or time that we've lost that wasn't, wasn't part of the plan. And so it's like, oh, I didn't realize that meant that you needed to prepare this or you're going to have to go shop for this or you're going to have to go meet with this person in preparation for doing whatever. And so there's time that's not on our calendar that's already kind of being taken away, but we're not planning. We're not communicating that well. And so, I mean, I could literally sit here all day and give you examples, Jared, of where we've missed it. But here's what I know. Um, just like, it's easier, just to be honest with you, from a, from a spiritual standpoint, tithing makes complete sense to me. It's so easy. Like, thank you, God, for giving me a number to work with. Like, I can do, I can do the math. And prayer is tricky for me because he doesn't say pray exactly this amount of time <laughs> each day. I mean, it would be so helpful if you told me that. I mean, I'd probably be too systematic with it, but it'd be helpful. So I'm like, oh, how much do I pray? How much do I do? I like the plan. I like the concrete structure. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us run into life going, you know what? Our schedule, because we're in ministry, will never be clear. It will always be muddy. And I tell you, that affects all those around you so much. And so for us to say, I can't bring clarity to everything in ministry. I can't schedule every second of every day. Life happens. Ministry's messy. But in the midst of that, I am going to plan and take hold of this and take responsibility. My friend Mike Foster from People of the Second Chance says, we are ridiculously in charge of our own schedule. Mm. And I think it's true. No matter what part, role you play in the organization, there's so many things you can't control. But there's a lot in our lives and our time and how we use our time at home and our time with family and friends 
that we are in control of. We just act like we're not because we don't do anything with it. Mm. Man, that's so good. Man, Frank, I know you got to run. I appreciate you car- carving out some time in your super busy schedule uh, to do this. Where is going to be the best place for folks to go pick up the book? Yeah, so it's, of course, going to be available on Amazon. One thing that's cool at orangebooks.com, if you find it there, they're actually going to do bulk pricing and rates, mm. uh, which you won't be able to get on Amazon for ministries that want to go through this with their staff or their volunteers together, just to try to make it an easier price point for people to be able to manage to do it as a group. And so I would recommend orangebooks.com. Um, we're going to have a feature on mythofbalance.com that people can go to where they can start writing there win this and that solution so we can all be learning from one another. So I think that's really exciting. I'm hoping that we have hundreds and eventually thousands of win this and that strategies and formulas for all of us to steal from one another and lean on one another uh, that will really help us. And so misbalance.com for sure. And then, like I said, if you're going to order in bulk, go to orangebooks.com for convenience. And uh, there'll be an audio version and all that stuff will be coming out real soon. Awesome. Awesome. Frank's, thanks for writing the book. Thanks for stopping by and chatting with us for a little bit. Really appreciate you, man. Awesome. Thanks for letting me be a part. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Leadership Podcast. If you have a question or you'd like to get in touch with us, as always, you can hit us up online at creative underscore sheep. That's our social media. Or you can always go to our website, creativesheep.org. We would love to talk to you. We'd love to, we would love for you to be our neighbor, honestly. Would you be our neighbor? Would you? Roman, I kind of felt like there was a little bit of desperation in that right there. (laughs) Uh, I I just, you know, I want to surround myself with great, you know, people, great friends. Uh, You know, I want some more neighbors in my life. There's nothing wrong with that. Hey, uh, have you seen, have you watched Mr. Rogers lately? No. Well, you should. It's great. It's a great show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Big, big thanks to uh, Frank Beeler for coming on. Roman, thank you. For making this show possible and thank you Landon Wyland for joining us in the studio today. Hey, thanks for having me here. It has been incredible. You're the man. Uh, hey folks, thanks for listening. We will see you all in a couple of weeks as, hey, we are actually kicking off a mini-series. I uh, probably should have plugged this earlier, but we are kicking off a mini-series on church planting Ooh. here on the Leadership Podcast. We've got three episodes coming up for you uh, with uh, Dan Matlock, who planted a church down in San Marcos, Texas, uh, with Eric Lawson, who planted in St. Louis, Missouri, and Kyle Turner, who planted in Kansas City. Uh, we are super pumped to share this with you. It is some amazing conversation, some very practical things, as well as some very uh, introspective things. And so very, very excited to get that out to you. But stay tuned, hit subscribe so that you'll be the first to know when they release. Uh, folks, we hope that we have inspired you to get better in your leadership journey today. And we will see you all very soon. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>